0: Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion has deviated from the Bible and its words correctly divided. This deviation has had a devastating effect on society. This podcast will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their Savior. Now for our host, Bill Petrie. Hi, welcome to another edition of Differing Things. I am your host, Bill Petrie. I want to share some exciting news with you. In the next few weeks, Differing Things will be launching our social media presence with Instagram. Through Instagram, we will keep you informed about what we are doing and hopefully pique your interest in upcoming Differing Things episodes. So keep your eyes open. Instagram is coming soon, and we want you to be a part of it. I was watching the news the other night, and I came across a story about a lady named Jennifer Crumbly. Jennifer Crumbly became the first parent in the United States to be found guilty of involuntary manslaughter on Tuesday for a mass school shooting committed by her teenage son. Crumbly, aged 45, was convicted of four counts of involuntary manslaughter for her role in the November 30th, 2021 shooting in which her son Ethan. Opened fire at Oxford High School in Michigan. He killed four of his classmates and injured seven others. Involuntary manslaughter carries a maximum sentence of 15 years in prison, and Crumpley is set to be sentenced in April. Prosecutors argued. Jennifer Crumbly knew her son, 15, at the time of the shooting, was struggling with alarming mental health issues. They said instead of getting him the help he needed, she and her husband James bought their son the gun used in the attack and attempted to flee when it was becoming likely they would be charged. James Crumbly, who faces the same charges as his wife, is scheduled to go on trial in March. Jennifer Crumbly, who took the stand in her own defense, said she never foresaw her son's deadly actions. She said her son did not show signs of being mentally ill other than being anxious about school and his future after graduation. She also said that while she and her husband bought their son the firearm, he was only allowed to use it at the shooting range with his dad. She said it was her husband's responsibility to secure the gun. She faced forward and kept her eyes closed as the jury delivered its verdicts. Craig Schilling, whose son, Justin, was killed in the shooting, looked on stoically as the verdict was read. Two people touched his back, Jennifer Crumbly then bowed her head and kept her eyes downcast as she walked, handcuffed, past a bank of cameras. Oakland County Prosecutor Karen McDonald hugged relatives of the victims, including Schilling. I feel most of all that the cries have been heard. And I feel that this verdict is going to echo throughout every house household in the country, Schilling said, adding that accountability is something parents have been asking for. But the verdict is just one step in that process. We all have work now, we all know what we are to be held responsible for anything that we do, he stated. The groundbreaking trial is likely to impact how society views parents' responsibility when their children access guns and use them in mass shootings. It also will have an impact on how parents choose to parent their child with the ramification of societal punishment if they choose to go against the current trend of society. The question every Bible believer needs to ask is this, does scripture ever hold the parent guilty for the sins of their children. Does Scripture ever convict a parent for their child's crime? I can tell you with 100% certainty, parents are not punished for the sins of their children. Each of us is responsible for our own sin. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20 tells us, The soul that does sin, it died. A son does not bear of the iniquity of the father, and the father does not bear of the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous is on him, and the wickedness of the wicked is on him. This verse clearly shows that punishment for one's sins is borne by the person who actually does the sin. During closing arguments, Jennifer Crumbly's lawyer, Shannon Smith, said the case could set a dangerous precedent for parents who are trying to do their best for their children. I do wish more than anything that this case could bring justice to victims of the shooting and to the victims of the terrorism that day, Smith said. This is not justice. This is not how justice works. This does nothing for people who have lost everything and it does nothing to undo the tragedy that unfolded on November 30th, she stated. The shooter, now age 17, was sentenced to life without parole this past December after pleading guilty to multiple charges for the shooting that killed Madison Baldwin, age 17. Tate Meyer, age 16. Hannah St. Juliana, age 14, and Justin Schilling, age 17. But, and this is a very big but, scripture is very clear that a parent is not held accountable for a crime their child commits. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16 tells us, Fathers shall not be put to death on account of their sons' sins, nor shall sons be put to death on account of their fathers' sins. Each man shall be put to death for his own sin. In fact, this law is so important, it is repeated in Second Kings chapter 14, verse 6, where it reads, And the sons of those smiting him, he is not put to death, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, that Yahweh commanded, saying, Fathers are not put to death for sons, and sons are not put to death for fathers, but each for his own sin. Is put to dot. And it is repeated again in Second Chronicles chapter twenty-five, verses three and four, which state, and it comes to pass when the kingdom has been strong upon him, that he slays his servants, though smiting the king, his father, and their sons, he has not put to dot, but did, as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, whom Yahweh commanded, saying, Fathers do not die for sons, and sons die not for fathers, but each for their own sin they die. Therefore, whether they are in the home or not, children who are of an accountable age are responsible for their own sins so we see that a parent is not responsible for their children's personal relationship with God after they leave the home. We must, however, understand that parents are responsible to teach their children concerning the will of God. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, And fathers, do not be vexing your children, but be nurturing them, in the discipline and admonition of the lord in colossians chapter 3 verse 21 paul said fathers do not vex your children lest they may be disheartened while parents are to direct their children towards god obedience is the child's responsibility the child alone will face the consequences of their own decisions. We call this personal responsibility. Part of growing up is taking responsibility for oneself. We start as infants with no personal responsibility whatsoever. Everything that we need is done for us. As we progress through the various stages of childhood, we take on more and more responsibility. We learn to tie our own shoes, clean our own rooms, and turn in our own homework. We learn that responsibility has its rewards and irresponsibility has other less than desirable effects in many ways the difference between a child and a man is his willingness to take personal responsibility for his actions as paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 when i became a man i put the ways of childhood behind me the Bible teaches the concept of personal responsibility. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Personal responsibility Is closely related to the universal law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 read Do not be deceived, God is not to be sneered at. For whatsoever a man may be sowing, this shall he be reaping also. For he who is sowing for his own flesh, from the flesh shall be reaping corruption, yet he who is sowing for the Spirit, from the Spirit shall be reaping life, Aeonian. <clears throat> Even the prior dispensation understood this reality. We read in Isaiah chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Say to the righteous that good is his portion, for the fruit of their actions are they eating. Alack to the wicked one, evil is his portion, for the requital of his hands is returning to him. The commands of the Old Testament were attached to blessings for obedience and penalties for disobedience. In other words, the Mosaic law emphasized the responsibility of individuals to respond in morally appropriate ways to God's revealed truth. God clearly defined right and wrong, and his people were expected to do what was right. This has been the case ever since the Garden of Eden, when Adam was given a specific command and expected to obey it. Later, Adam's son Cain was warned by God that he would be held personally responsible for his actions in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 7. Achan Was held responsible for his sin at Jericho. Just read Joshua chapter seven, verses 14 and 15. Jonah was held responsible for his choice to run from the Lord in Jonah chapter one, verses seven and eight. And the Levites were held responsible for the care of the tabernacle. In Numbers chapter 18 and verse 5. In this present dispensation, Paul tells us in Romans chapters 1 through 3 individuals are held accountable for their own personal choices. Although we today are not under the law of Moses. We are under the law of sin and death. We are held responsible for how we, as individuals, make choices, and we reap either the benefits of good choices or the consequences of bad choices. The Bible expects us to take personal responsibility in all areas of life. Able bodied people should work for their food. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Second Thessalonians three verse ten states. Men are take men are to take responsibility for providing for their households according to first Timothy chapter five verse eight. One who steals Is to steal no more. Rather, he is to be laboring with his hands, so that he can give to the ones in need, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Paul also holds believers responsible for their own actions. Philippians chapter three, verses seventeen through nineteen tells us. Become imitators together of me, brethren, and be noting those who are walking thus, according as you have us for a model. For many are walking, of whom I often told you, yet now am lamenting also, as I tell it, who are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose consummation is destruction, whose God is their bowels, and whose glory is in their shame, who are to the terrestrial are disposed. Notice God, nor Paul, holds the teachers and instructors of these believers accountable for their choice to disregard Paul as their example on how to live. They bring destruction and shame upon themselves because of their own foolish choices. At times, people try to avoid personal responsibility, usually through blame shifting. Adam tried to blame Eve for his sin. Cain tried to dodge responsibility. Pilate attempted to absolve his guilt in the matter of the crucifixion of Christ, he stated, I am innocent of this man's blood. He said, it is your responsibility. Ultimately, attempts to pass the buck are futile. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Numbers 32, verse 23 tells us, we cannot evade our personal responsibility. The Bible is very clear. But with the crumbly verdict, parents are now held responsible for their child's sins, for their child's crimes. The verdict opens the door for the government to further erode the family structure, to destroy one of God's basic building blocks for society. By destroying the family, the government can put itself into the role of parenting. This terrifies me, as it should you. The crumbly verdict is about way more than gun responsibility. It is about society enforcing its values into the family unit and holding the parent accountable if the child does not obey the societal norm. It is about holding the parent responsible for the actions that an individual has the ability to reason through and know what is right and wrong and still chooses to do wrong. What will happen if society decides that religion is bad? Do you think the day could come when parents could be held responsible if their child becomes a Christian? Do you think it's possible that a parent can be held responsible if a child goes out and drives under the influence and unfortunately kills or maims somebody? This is a Pandora's box that is now open. As Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20 shows us, each of us is responsible for our own sins. And that individual who sins must bear the punishment for that sin. We cannot share our guilt with our parents nor can parents be held responsible for the child's sins. To do otherwise is to turn our government into a God with a small g. To disregard Ezekiel 18.20 and Deuteronomy 24.16 is to wrongfully convict a parent for their child's crime. I ask all of you, when you were a child, did you sometimes disregard your parents' instructions and act contrary to what they said and taught? Who then should receive the punishment for those actions? The Jennifer Crumbly verdict does not make society safer. It destroys the family. It does not make restitution for the victims. It uses revenge. And societal outrage is our new standard of justice. God help us all. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast.